Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here in Maryville and good to see everybody in Knoxville as well. We're in a series called The Pursuit of Wisdom. And so in our life, each of us are pursuing many things. We're chasing and pursuing a good career, a good marriage, a good family. Uh, All those things are good. But in this series, we're learning that the pursuit of wisdom is one of the greatest pursuits that we'll ever accomplish in our life. And when we pursue wisdom, we are pursuing Jesus. The Bible says that wisdom is more precious than money, gold or silver. And so the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this. And today we want to be in Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs is is wisdom literature. King Solomon uh, wrote much of the Proverbs. And so we've been learning truth from them. And we'll continue next week as well. But today I want to focus on really this idea of, of wisdom in sexual discipline. Um, we live in a hypersexualized culture today. And everywhere you turn, there is sexual temptation. Uh, 30 years ago, pornography had to be delivered through the mail, or maybe you had to go buy it in person. Today, it is in your pocket. It is in uh, and on our smart devices. It is on every social media platform. Every website is, is, is covered with it, and it's everywhere today. Um, we don't have to go far, so we're consistently tempted to view it and to be a part of it. It's ease of use. We see uh, not only through smartphones, but we see uh, dating apps and, 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 and other websites that are designed to, to help married couples have adultery and help older couples who want to be swingers meet each other. It's absolutely insane, and it's at the touch of a button. Uh, no doubt sexual sin is all around us. I don't want to bombard you with statistics, but I do want to set a little bit of a tone here. Barner Research uh, created a book called The Porn Phenomenon, And I wanted to share a few stats with you quickly, but one of the stats they found is that 54% of Christian young adults ages 18 to 24 are seeking out porn on a regular basis. It also discovered that 43% of teens believe porn is, um, is, is not bad for society. So that's telling, right? That 43% of uh, our teenagers believe that porn isn't bad. Teens and young adults, 13 to 24, believe not recycling is actually a worse societal issue than viewing pornography. Think about that for a minute, how backward our young people's minds are. Uh, By by the way, young people, only about 5% of what you put in a recycle bin actually gets recycled. It's a whole money-making scheme. Google it. You'll find it. Um, Pornography is much worse. Uh, Just wanted to be clear. Barna also said in the study that girls ages 13 to 24, who periodically attend church, said that 36% of them looked at porn every month, citing their curiosity and their desire to impress the boys that they're hanging around. 62% of teens and young adults report receiving a nude image from a friend via text message or social media app. So um, I think the problem is evident It's not out in the world. It's not in Seattle only or in California. The problem is right here in this room. It's in the church. It's outside the church. It's in the community. It's on our phones. It's on our computer. The danger is everywhere. I think it is important that when we think about this, we we have to also 
recognize that our culture is not a happier society today because of this sexual revolution that has taken place and started in probably the 60s or 70s. Because today we have a record number of divorce, a record number of addiction, record numbers of suicide, record number of crime. And the reality is you cannot have happiness without discipline. You cannot please God without self-discipline. And so today, as we talk about the wisdom of sexual discipline, I want you to be clear that when you hear the word discipline, we're often thinking of, you know, our parents or somebody disciplining us and, you know, we, we have to obey them and comply or we get in trouble. But the discipline I'm talking about today is self-discipline. This type of discipline doesn't come from a parent. It doesn't come from a boss. It comes from within you. Because this is the type of discipline that you have to understand is valuable for yourself. In order to love God, please God, the, the word disciple comes from a Latin word uh, that means instruction and training. Uh, it's also a part of this word that means to learn. And so when we think about discipline, it's really the study and, and, and learning knowledge. It's, it's learning and training yourself the ways of, of, of wisdom and then applying it to your life. And so this discipline is not something someone does to you. It's what you instill in your own life. And so in Proverbs chapter five, let's, let's kick this off and see what he says. And, and I wanna give you the point before we read the scripture, but he starts in verses one through three and he says, don't commit sexual sin. Don't do it. It's dangerous. Now remember, uh, the context is that King Solomon is writing this to his son. And he wants his son to be wise. He wants his son to be responsible. He wants his son to be a productive, godly man. And so he's sharing the wisdom that he has learned. But, but just because he says, my son, my son, my son, doesn't mean that this isn't applicable to young women or women in general. No, in fact, uh, we're gonna hear him say, son, beware of the forbidden woman. But we could also realize that the principle applies to women as, as, as well. And so oftentimes it's the man who is, you know, trying to seduce a woman and lead her into sexual sin. And so when we read this, we're seeing the principles are applicable to both young men, young women, uh, older men, older women. As we read this, let's keep that in mind. And so he says this, my son, be attentive, right, to my wisdom, so again, here, action words. What are we doing? We're paying attention. We're self-aware. We're not just flying through life, not thinking about what we're doing. We have a problem in our culture where we just simply do not think. We just respond. We drowned ourselves in media. We drowned ourselves in, 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 in apps and watching social media or watching TV. And, and so we're just drowned uh, by it and it dulls our senses and awareness. And so we wanna be self-aware. He says, be attentive to my wisdom. That's what he continually comes back to. So incline your ear to my understanding. In other words, he wants us to listen, pay attention, learn it. If you do that, you may have discretion. In other words, caution. So when you're cautious, you have discretion, right? And so you're cautious about decisions. You're cautious about relationships. You're thinking about, should I go out with this person? Or should I go to that party? Or, or should I take this job? Or should I, should I do this or do that, right? We're, we're actually using the brain that God gave to us and we're, we're cautiously thinking about it. 
Why do we have to pay attention and understand and, and be cautious? Because um, he wants us to guard that knowledge. So, so we're guarding all of these things, actions, action oriented words. And we do this because the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil, right? It drips honey and it's smoother than oil. And so essentially what he is telling us to do is, yes, be attentive to wisdom. Yes, be cautious, guard knowledge, because this forbidden woman is going to entice you to commit sexual sin. And so he starts with this lesson. And, and, and the, the, I think the real point is, is to a married man or a married woman, and the forbidden man or woman is the person that you're not married to. But I think this is applicable as well to single people because committing adultery is when you have sex with anybody that is not your husband or your spouse. I think sometimes we just have to be really clear. And by the way, we've got to talk about this in the church. We, we have to talk about God's word, all areas of it. I know it might be a little uncomfortable today, but the reality is your kids are learning about sex through Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat at a very young age. And we as a church, we as a community of believers have to turn to the word of God for instruction. And, 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 and 30 years ago, maybe parents thought that they could get away with not having these conversations, but not true any longer, for sure. It wasn't true then, definitely not true now. So what, what is sexual sin? Well, it's any activity, sexual activity, outside the covenant of marriage. Any sexual activity with a same-sex partner is sin, and it is harmful to you. Any heterosexual sex outside of marriage is sin. It is harmful to you. That includes adultery, pornography, and self-pleasure, fooling around or cohabitating, living together with someone that is not your spouse. This is against God's plan for your life. And Solomon is saying, look, it may look good, it might feel good in the moment, but it will hurt you. It will ruin you. It promises happiness and pleasure. Yeah, it might deliver on that for a season or in a moment, but it will not last. Eventually, the truth will come out. You'll either walk away from God or you will start to redefine what the Word of God says so that you'll feel better about whatever sin, whatever action you want to do. Make it okay in your eyes. Sexual sin may uh, cost you your family. It may cost you your marriage. It might cost you your reputation. It might cost you respect of your children. It might drive a wedge in your marriage that will never be healed. There's a million different ways that sexual sin can harm you and destroy you. And that's why he says, be attentive to wisdom. Know it, understand it, think about it. Be cautious, guard that knowledge because the forbidden woman will tempt you. And how does she do it? Verse three says, her lips are dripping with honey. It's words of flattery. It's, it's compliments that, that it begins with, right? The forbidden man, the forbidden woman is the person that is not your spouse. And this is someone who will compliment you. Words of flattery will draw you in. Now, I know you probably know who King Solomon is and you recognize that he, uh, the Bible tells us that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. 
So you might say this is the ultimate picture of a parent who is a do as I say, not as I do kind of parent. I mean, I thought I was bad, but this guy takes the cake. But I think what we, we recognize here, a couple things. The, the, the first thing is um, he's probably speaking out of, his, out of his weaknesses, out of his problems, um, what he's learned from the mistakes that he's made. But then, but then also we recognize that uh, these authors of the, new, of the Bible are, are human authors. And so even though they are writing the infallible word of God and his truth, it doesn't mean that they followed it completely because they're imperfect people. Um, and so I think we, with, with that in mind, we take this to, to, to remind us that it is God's truth, even though Solomon failed. But he, he points us to words of flattery as, as being a, a caution to be understanding of. My friend and author John Aiken says about this passage, he says, alluring words will pull you away from your marriage vows. This is true for men because they are suckers for flattery and for women because they are creatures of the ear. I agree. I think men are suckers for flattery. Now, on the positive note, spouses, wives, for, for a minute, hear me out. This means that, that, that you can win your husband over, you can build him up, you can have a connection with him if you will use words of flattery, if you will encourage him. So tell him he looks good in that flannel shirt. Tell him he looks great in those new shoes. I bet they make him run faster. Tell him the ketchup on the side of his face looks attractive. I don't know. Encourage him, compliment him. Why? Because it will build a relationship. It will encourage um, him and your relationship. I was counseling one couple and talking about this same point and, and the wife said, well, you know, when I compliment him, he assumes that I want to have sex with him. And so I just, you know, I stopped doing that. And I'm like, well, maybe if you didn't do it once a year, he wouldn't misinterpret or be surprised by it. So do it more like compliment each other. Words of encouragement go a long way. And then for the young ladies, I think it's important for you to recognize that there are young men who dedicate hours of their day trying to come up with words of flattery, pick up lines to try to convince you that you're special, to kind of convince you to get you into bed so that they can have sex with you, do whatever with you, so that they can brag about what they did with you to their friends and, and do ungodly things with whatever happens there. And so you've got to recognize that you have to be attentive to wisdom and understanding and cautious. When a young man is bringing those words of flattery, uh, I would be very, very cautious because you want to save yourself for your husband. Um, that is not an old-fashioned kind of uh, way of thinking. Th this is a biblical way. God wants you to remain a virgin until you become uh, someone's spouse. And so this is important. Words of flattery can trick you. Uh, it's why Solomon says, be careful. Be careful with the forbidden man, the forbidden woman that compliments you. Those words are sweet. They are smooth and they are persuasive. So sexual sin, he's telling us, begins with a conversation. It begins with words. It begins with interaction. Adultery doesn't just happen in one day usually. It's usually a conversation that happens at work. So you go over to her desk and have a conversation one day and maybe she laughs at your joke, no big deal, but that, but that flatters you and that, that awakens something in you. A Facebook friend 
sends you a message that makes you feel special. It's the girl at the gym that you think understands you better than your own wife. It's the message that you get on Snapchat or the text message that you get. And it's a little flirty, but no big deal until it continues and becomes more. It starts with a conversation. With all those interactions, what's happening is an emotional attachment is developing. And what happens within an emotional attachment is you start to desire to be around that person. And, and all of a sudden that desire begins to make people in America, because it's our culture, um, it's what we've been taught, is that we think this attachment means that we are falling in love. That term is a Hollywood term that is a lie from the pit of hell. You do not fall in love like Cupid is floating around, shooting arrows in you, making you love somebody, making you like somebody, and making you unlike or unlove other people. Nobody is forcing you to fall anywhere. You choose who you're going to love. And that's why on your wedding day, you made a promise to your wife, your husband. You made a promise to God. You made a promise to your family that you were going to love this person and that you were going to be committed to this person for the rest of your life. It didn't mean that you were going to be in a relationship that always made you happy. That's not what you were signing up for. It didn't mean that you weren't going to get your feelings hurt from time to time or have problems. Every marriage has problems. Every person that um, gets married recognizes that we go into that deal with pride and ego and sin, and it's going to be difficult. When you see marriages that have been married 30, 40, 50 years and they seem happy, it's not because they got lucky. It's because they worked through the issues and they died to self. The temptation when words of flattery flood into your ear, leads you on a dangerous road. Those words are sweet and smooth. And it might not even come from a real person, men. It might come from a fantasy woman behind your screen. It might, become, it might be uh, happening because you're following a certain person on a website or a social media app. And so you have this emotional connection with this woman who is not even real. It is a fantasy. She does not know you. She does not care about you. And yet this is the connection that you've decided to walk in your life. It is a very twisted and dark and sad way to view sex. And God's got way more for you. If Satan can keep you in the dark and keep you behind or in front of a screen, he will keep you out of the bedroom with the wife that God has given to you. It's a very dark, dark scene. The temptation of pornography is killing our culture. I think it could be the number one killer of marriages today. Porn is deadly in so many ways, but in marriage, it gives you this morbid view of sex, gives you this satanic view of sex and, and twisted. And so all of a sudden, you think your wife should be doing this or looking this way. And it is not reality. It is make-believe, morbid, twisted, demonic activity. And so we have to see it and recognize it as such. It is killing your future marriage if you're single today. It's, it's, it's killing you as a parent today if you're trying to impact and grow your children. On top of this, we have a culture of young people who are being told to wait to get married. Just delay getting married. Just 
live with people and sleep around and, and um, you know, just experiment with people and have fun and focus on your career and travel and do all of this. You can worry about getting married later and having kids later. See, your sexual desires are usually pretty high when you're young. And God's way for us to deal with that is marriage. God's way for us to experience sex, and he wants us to experience it in a healthy way. It's why he created it. But he says the only way that you're going to experience it is if you have discipline before you're married, and then when you get married, you get to experience it. But, but if you delay marriage, the chances of you being tempted by pornography and sleeping around are, are really high. So get married young and have lots of kids. If you're thinking about having kids, have kids. If you're thinking about having more kids, I would encourage you to have more kids. You're never going to look at a child when they're 20, 25 years old and think, well, we could have done without that one. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Now, you may look back at their life and say, you, that was really hard at times, but bringing people into the world is a good thing. And so we should see it as such. God blesses that. What's, what's alarming to me is that there was research by Pew Research in 2019 that said that almost 70% of Americans believe that cohabitation, living together, is acceptable even if a couple doesn't plan to get married. But what's also interesting is that statistics are showing now because it's so prevalent today that your chances of getting a, a divorce almost double if you live with someone and don't get uh, married or eventually get married to them. And so um, it's, it's causing even more issues than we real, realize. He says, don't commit sexual sin. But then secondly, he teaches us clearly that sexual sin destroys. It destroys. Living together is not God's plan. Sex before marriage is not God's plan. When you trust his plan, when you honor him, he will reward you. That's how simple it is. It's difficult, but that's why self-discipline is necessary for each of us. Let's continue to read in verse four and following. He says, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. Now this is, a, this is an herb that is the, was the most bitter um, substance in Israel. And so this was a, a, a high comparison. It, it starts sweet. It starts, you know, smooth. It feels good in the beginning, but in the end, it's bitter. It tastes bitter. It's bad. It ends poorly. It's as sharp as a two-edged sword. And so a sword, a, a blade that is sharp on both sides does the, the, the worst damage. It cuts, it hurts, it wounds, it kills. Her feet go down to, let's not forget this, my goodness, it goes to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. Sheol is a Hebrew word for hell. She does not ponder the path of life. She's not thinking about tomorrow. She's not thinking about honoring God. That forbidden man, that boyfriend, that guy that's trying to get you to hook up, he's not thinking about his eternity. He's only thinking about one thing, pleasure in that moment. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, oh, sons. Now, this is interesting. It's plural. So it's almost like Solomon is saying, look, 
I'm writing to my son, I'm writing to my grandson, I'm writing to my great-grandchildren. Why? I want them to know this. This is huge. I want all of my children, I want, I want everybody in my family to get this. See, mom and dad, this is part of, of, of our role as parents. We've got to talk about this. We've got to engage this conversation. I know this is a, a hard topic for most parents, but we've got to do it. Uh, we have a, a parenting class coming up November 12th, Sunday morning, uh, the class is how to talk to your kids about sex. Uh, very straightforward. And so you can come to a service and then attend the class or attend the class and then go to the service. It's, it's going to be on Sunday morning. Go to our website, sign up, because you're going to want to be a part of that. He says, oh, sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. How do we prevent it? We stay far away from her. And we do not go near the door of her house. Okay, that's pretty clear, right? We don't want to go near. That means if it's an app, delete it. Don't go near her house. If it's a website that you're subscribed to, delete it. Go to covenanteyes.com today. Sign up for um, all the products that they have to be able to hold you accountable and get rid of it. Don't go near her at the office. Don't go over there for the conversation. You shouldn't be going out to lunch with her by yourself. You shouldn't be text messaging other women like that. You shouldn't be on uh, social media platforms where you're DMing each other. Delete it. Get it, get it, get it away. You know, this is a, a very practical step that we see and that we know. But he says, don't go near them. Don't go to the gym anymore. Get a new gym membership. I would say you know, there, there are multiple places to work out. Do a workout at home. You don't need that gym. It's not worth it. Turn your computer screen off. And, and he says in verse um, uh, seven here, he says, don't depart from the words of my mouth and keep your way far from her. So we're not departing from his words. That means we're trusting God's word, not trusting our feelings. Nobody's, they're not gonna find out. This porn's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt my relationships. I just need this. And nobody's going to find out about this comment or this is thing that's going on here. No, no, no. He says, trust God's word. Don't depart from wisdom. It will be found out. He says, don't go near her. Very practical uh, message. How will, it, how will it destroy you? Well, there's a, a lot of different ways, but I love how he puts it here in verse nine. Here, here's the damage that being in this type of relationship will actually do in your life. He says, lest you give your honor to others. If you don't repent and turn away from sexual sin, your honor will be destroyed. Your, your honor, your reputation will be given away, right? So we want, we, we want to recognize the damage of that. Like maybe your kids don't look at you with respect, any, respect anymore. Your coworkers don't respect you anymore. Your close friends don't respect you anymore. Why? Because you gave your honor away. And he says, you're giving it to who? The merciless. Who are the merciless? Talk to somebody who's been uh, divorced and you'll realize that there are attorneys that are merciless. There are judges that are merciless. There, there's endless court dates that are merciless. Your honor is taken. Your money is taken because you're pouring it into the court system that's corrupt. And, and these people are merciless. We think it's going to be, you know, better, but it's worse. He says, let strangers take their fill of your strength. 
right? And, and, and your labors go to the house of foreigners. So you're gonna, you're actually, you're gonna be worn out, man. You go the way of the prostitute, you go the way of sexual sin, and it will lead you to emptiness. You won't have strength. It'll zap you because of the pressure and the anxiety and, and, and all the other things that it's causing you. Your strength might be zapped today because you're keeping so many secrets. He says, your labors go to the house of foreigners. Everything that you work for, for your business, everything that you work for, for in your savings account, in your 401k, all the stuff that you want and hope to pass on to your kids or grandkids or great-grandchildren is taken away. It's given to foreigners. Why? Because you're, you're giving it all away to attorneys and all the other things or a million other different reasons. But he says, you're going to lose it. You're not going to be able to give it away. Verse 11, and at the end of your life, you groan. This is the same Hebrew word that's used of the Israelites when they're wandering in the, in the desert and they are miserable, finding food, hot, miserable, like wandering. Like this is what it feels like at the end. It smooth and sweet on the beginning. It feels good. It leads to a life that is ruined when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, here it is, how I hated, say it with me, discipline. How I hated discipline. I didn't want to discipline myself. I didn't want to tell myself no. I didn't want to believe God's word. I hated discipline. And my heart despised reproof. What is reproof? This is correction. I didn't want to be corrected by anybody. I didn't want to listen to the voice of my teachers, right? I didn't want to listen to my pastor. I didn't want to listen to my dad. I didn't want to listen to my best friend. I just wanted to shut them out and ignore them because I have it figured out. I'm going to be just fine. That's what we tell ourselves. That's a lie. I didn't incline my ear to my instructors. God's given you some instruction today. Verse 14, and the result, I'm at the brink of utter ruin, right? Utter ruin in the assembled congregation. That means publicly, I'm humiliated. Publicly, I'm ruined. Everybody knows. I thought it was the secret, but the reality is everybody knows because it always comes into the light, honor, and years gone, your life cut short, strangers taking uh, and using resources that, that you were hoping to give to your family. You groan because there's ultimate ruin, there's regret, there's public humiliation. My goodness, open our eyes today, Jesus. I don't want you to go through that. I don't want you to experience that. God doesn't want you to. He wants you to come clean today. He's given you an opportunity today to listen to discipline and sound instruction. And if we ended there, we might be a little discouraged. We might just be, carry this weight because I can feel the weight in the room because the reality is there's some guys in here, maybe some women that are addicted to pornography. There's some, there's some people that are involved in sexual sin. You might be living with someone. You might be dating someone and, 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 and dealing with that. You might be having an affair. All, all of that is most likely in the room here and in Knoxville. And so what, 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 do we, what do we do with this? He gives us some instruction here that's encouraging. He says, here's how you combat this. Enjoy sexual pleasure with your spouse. That's the answer. You know, you're enticed 
through adultery, affair, sexual sin, pornography. He's, God says, no, listen, I've got you covered. This is what you got to do. You enjoy sexual pleasure with your spouse. That's the answer. That's the plan. That's the path. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. There is no other plan. There is no other way to enjoy it. There is no other way that is not going to lead to ruin. Keep that in mind as we read the next few verses because there's some married couples today that aren't enjoying sex in their, in their marriage, right? This is the only way. Here's what he says. Drink water from your own cistern. Very, um, he, he's talking in very poetic language here. Flowing water from your own well. In other words, you know, he, he's, he's getting us ready for like in your committed relationship, this is what you should do. Verse 16, should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Should you, should you just have sex with whoever? Just, just kind of put it out there and, and just have multiple sexual experiences? And he's, of course, saying no. Let them be for yourself alone and, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed. Now, I, I want God's blessing in my life. I know you do as well. I want to rejoice, right? How, how, what, is he, what is he pointing us to? He says, and rejoice in the wife of your youth. So the answer here is, is, is have fun. Experience this pleasure with your wife. A lovely deer, graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated. In other words, be drunk with her love, always in love with her. Be, be, be so intoxicated and captivated by her that words of flattery from another woman aren't gonna entice you. Be so intoxicated and, 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 and so in love with your spouse that, that pornography isn't gonna be a temptation. Your needs are getting met from her. Your needs are getting met in that relationship that you committed to. And so these things are less of a temptation. That's his plan. He gives us several warnings. And he says, if you want to affair-proof your marriage, if you want to overcome porn addictions, if you want to overcome sexual sin, he says, enjoy sex with your spouse. Now, I realize there's kids in the room. I realize you might be with your kids, and that's a little awkward. But there are a few things about this that we have to realize. Again, I think it's healthy to talk about it in church. This is a safe place to be able to talk about it. First of all, we see that God created sex. That was a good thing. He created it for us to enjoy. Uh, in Genesis 3, he gives a naked wife to Adam. And he says, this is good. And Adam says, yes, this is going to be a good deal. I appreciate that one. <laughs> and it's going to work out. And God says, be fruitful and multiply. So yes, sex is created for pleasure, but it's also created for procreation. And so some people think, well, we only need to have sex when we're trying to have a child. That's not true. It's for enjoyment, but yes, it's also for procreation. So get married, get married young and have lots of kids. That is a good thing. He says, go forth, fruit, be fruitful and multiply. That is a good godly thing. But what's great about these verses is that Solomon is, is saying that God has created sex for us to enjoy one another. And that enjoyment comes in and only through a marriage covenant relationship. Culture, Satan, sin is gonna twist the purpose of sex and say that it's gonna, 
you know, th- th- this is the real way to enjoy it. And this is the only way to enjoy it. And just free yourself and love whoever you want to love and be with whoever you want to be with. But that is a, a path that will lead to ruin. It's ultimately the decision that we have to make today. Are we going to follow the plan of wisdom, which the first, cha- first nine chapters of, of Proverbs is all about following wisdom? Or are you going to follow folly, right, or stupidity? And Solomon's trying to tell his son, his, his kids, that you must follow wisdom or you will be ruined. And so very, really simply, uh, I think this statement kind of sums it up. The best way to avoid sexual sin is to enjoy sex with your spouse. Best way to avoid an affair, enjoy sex with your spouse. Best way to overcome, you know, addictions and overcome all the temptations that are before you, enjoy your wife, enjoy your spouse. This is God's plan. This is his good plan. This is the only plan. And so God gives us this gift to be enjoyed, but it's going to require sexual discipline for us to be able to enjoy it. So we've got to reconnect with our spouse maybe. We've got to put away porn and pursue our wife. We've got to get a babysitter. We've got to go on a date. We've got to do whatever it takes to reconnect. If you're not in the mood, get in the mood. He may not care if you're in the mood, if you would just be willing. For those of you who are single, it means self-discipline today because rewards in the future. Maybe it means you need to start pursuing a spouse. And you're just worried about career and this. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm having problems and I'm, I'm experiencing, you know, sexual sin because of this. I need to start pursuing a wife. I need to get my life together and follow God's plan. For some of you, it might be living together with someone. You think, oh, well, you just got to kick the tire, so to speak, see if it's going to work out. It is not God's plan. You're hurting your future life, your future self. You're ruining your future. The point is that God gives us this desire and marriage is the only way for us to enjoy it. I did a sermon a year ago uh, this past summer called The Christian Bedroom. You can watch it online. I talk further about this. Um, but this is a simple path. I get it. There's baggage. There's, there's issues. But there's forgiveness that needs to take place. There's conversation without argument that needs to take place. There's probably you know, a mentor that needs to step into your life to coach you through some of this. There might be a need of a counselor to walk you guys through some of the pain and some of the things that you've gone through. I don't know what it is, but it's worth every hour you invest in trying to rekindle the flame that once was. Um, any Survivor fans out there? You still watching Survivor? Anybody? Nope. Okay, good. I'll move on from that illustration. No, I'm still going to give it. Um, I, this picture is a picture of they're one of the battles they do, one of the games they play, like you got to build this fire and burn this rope. And if you, if you do, the first person to do it wins and gets to stay. The other person goes home. And so it's funny when they create a fire, if you've ever created a fire, you know, it's kind of tricky, right? It's not as easy as it, it looks, especially if you don't have matches or, or lighters like, like in this situation. So they have like this flint and they're scraping off the, um, the magnesium strip and and they got this little bundle of tinder. It's like straw and hay and stuff. And, and so, you know, usually uh, there's one person that'll try to build the fire really fast. And so they'll, they'll get the, the spark, will, 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 you know, ignite the straw, and then they'll start throwing all the tinder and the straw on there. And it, and it burns really fast and really bright and it gets really tall. And so in the first like 60 seconds, she's like, oh my gosh, this person is gonna win. This person is gonna win because the flame is up. But, but it quickly dies out because... The tinder, the, 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 the straw isn't hot enough. 
the person that wins in this battle, um, in this game, is the person that knows how to stack the wood properly. So they start with the spark and the flame and, and that burns the smaller twigs and the smaller twigs burn the, the larger pieces of wood. And, and then that gets brighter and bigger and, 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 and hot enough to, to burn the, the, the rope and win the game. And remember when your marriage was on fire? Can you think back that long? Maybe it's been a while. There was a moment when sparks were flying. And when the sparks are flying, you have this delusion that they're always gonna be there. When the sparks are flying, it's an ignition that really just is natural. It just kind of flames burst out and, and you know, you just feel like this is amazing. But nobody taught us that we have to learn how to build a real fire in marriage. On our wedding day, we didn't really hear the pastor talk about what that looks like, but every marriage has to learn how to do it. You gotta learn how to tend that fire. If you don't tend it, it'll go out. If you just started in it with a spark and a flame and it was just passion and there was no real structure and there was no real commitment there, if it wasn't built on a commitment to God and each other, then it burns out really quickly. Here's the good news. The good news is, is, is that you can rebuild that fire. You can rebuild it, no matter what you've gone through or what you're experiencing today. You can rebuild it and it can get stronger and brighter and you can forgive and you can restore whatever has happened in your marriage, and whatever's going on right now. You can be a blessing to your children and your children's children to the, to, to the next generation. You can be a testimony of how bad things can become good things when you give those things to the Lord. The good news is that Jesus went to the cross to pay for your sexual sin. So if you've committed some and that's heavy on your heart today or you find yourself in it today, that is good news that Jesus wants to pay for that sin. He will forgive you if you ask Him. His death and resurrection can allow you to be reconciled to God. In Christ, there is no longer any condemnation for those in sexual sin. You, you confess it, you turn from it, you receive His forgiveness and He makes you brand new and you walk forward, not in shame and guilt, but in victory through the power and blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come into your life, transform you, change you, move you into a brand new direction. And I believe that is exactly what God wants for you. No matter what culture says, no matter what culture is teaching us, the wisdom of God is better. For some of you, you need to give your life to Jesus. That is step one. For some of you, it's time to give up porn. CovenantEyes.com, delete the app, delete the subscription. Don't even open up your computer unless your wife is in the room. Do whatever it takes. Jesus, Jesus goes so far in the New Testament to talk about how damaging sin is to say that if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. He was saying sin is so damaging that it's better to lose a limb than to continue to experience sin in your life. That's how severe it is. It's time to repent. It's time to turn. Some of you are living together. Get married. Get married this week. You don't need a $100,000 wedding. In fact, I think that's stupid. That's just my opinion. 
We're believing another lie from culture that says that if you want a great wedding, you've got to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on it. We'll marry you here and it won't cost you a penny. You don't even remember your wedding day, really. Well, the night you do, but not necessarily the day. For some of you, it might be ending an adulterous affair. It's time to cut that relationship off. It's time to change jobs, change gyms. Don't go near her door again. You're gonna need a mentor. You're gonna need a counselor. You're gonna need help if that's you today. And I wanna encourage you to get it. See, the, the tension and the conviction in the room might be high. If that conviction is on your heart today, receive that as a gift from God. Don't let Satan use it to shame you and guilt you because of what's happened in your past. This is the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself, into the light, into freedom, into hope, right? Let me ask you to bow your heads. Some of you need to give your life to Jesus and I wanna encourage you to do that. And I want you to just let this prayer be your prayer. If you wanna give your life to Christ, just say this to him today. Make this your prayer, make this your commitment. You want Jesus in your life, just say, God, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin and he rose from the grave. I believe in Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask that you forgive me of my sins and I commit my life to you today. Save me, Jesus. How many here and in Knoxville would say, you know what, Trent, I just, I just prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time. Just slip your hand up. When I see anybody in the room, just slip it up here, slip it up in Knoxville. Pastor Taylor's there, I see one here. I'm sure there might be one or two in Knoxville. If that's you, tell somebody today, scan the QR code in front of you. Let us know you made that decision. Go to the care and prayer room, let them know. If you need counseling, if you need prayer, if you need help, we are here to help you. Lord Jesus, you know everything that is going on in the room today. There's nothing that is hidden from your sight. And God, my heart is heavy for the, for the young man. who is ruining his future today by looking and committing his life to a fantasy through a screen. God, open up his eyes. God, my heart is heavy for the man in the room who is having, or maybe close to having an adulterous affair. Shock him today, God. He's here today this message and it might be the last chance he gets God may we gain wisdom today and insight may we gain hope through the cross that no matter what what sin we have committed that you have completely forgiven us help us to walk in that truth and light today and we pray this in Jesus name amen Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like this video and leave a comment. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss an upload from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, you can go to our website, foothillschurch.com, or by clicking the link in the description below.